0: Welcome back to episode 12 of the Watch Your Tone podcast. I was going to skip the introductions tonight, but once again, Ron Greco has gone missing. So we're back with just me, my brother Lou, Huff, and Sean. Ronnie, uh, we're actually going to put a poll out on Twitter tomorrow. So you guys will be listening to this, and then you go on Twitter and look at the poll. If we should fire Ronnie or not, you know, I'm too good of a guy. <laughs> but quit. I'm gonna,
1: You can't I'm- fire a guy to quit.
0: He hasn't officially quit. He told me to be back on next week. But I feel like we started the episode the same way now. It's something about Ronnie. Is Ronnie here? Is he not here? Are we, are we yelling at him?
1: I miss that guy.
0: We're going to put out a poll tomorrow. You guys tell us what we should do with him. I'm in between. I like the guy, but he's a lot of missing. He said he was a paid vacation week for him. I don't think he's going to be paid.
1: <laughs> he's on PTO. A
0: lot of stuff to cover. A lot of hockey. And obviously the most important thing of the entire hockey season was Handed out last night to Tampa Bay lightning win the Stanley cup over the Dallas stars four to two in the series. It was, uh, I think I predicted, I said, obviously, I think I said four, one, four, two, you really can't win that many other ways, but I thought it was gonna be a four, one series probably should have been Tampa really dominated the series. Um, just too good this year. It's been a long time coming. I actually texted somebody that works for the team that I was close with. And I said, congratulations. I said, it's been a long time coming from this team. So, you know, congratulations Enjoy joy and, uh, it really has been. They've been so good for so long. It's kind of like Washington in a way. You know, Washington just kept – they were losing the first round. They were losing the game seven. And now Tampa comes in and does what they have to do. And they're so good right now. I know they have a lot of cap problems going on and stuff, but they're so good. And now they have that cup under their belt. They could potentially be a back-to-back, you know, that kind of three, like a Chicago team. I know the guys are getting older, but they're that good still if you look at them last night. Big decisions coming in next week for them with Kaloran, Johnson, Palat, maybe other guys. I'm not sure what they're going to do, but uh, they're really good.
1: I think you could find another guy like, I don't want to say like Kaloran. They just wanted, I don't want to throw any disrespect towards him, but their whole team just showed up this whole playoff. You look at the Con Smythe voting uh, between Point and Hedman. It was so close. I think Hedman got nine first place Hedman votes, Hedman Hedman Point got eight. It.
0: Had been deserved it, but there was definitely, you know, you could have, What about Pilat? Pilat Yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. They're, the whole team showed up. And to say, you know, like a guy like Kalorn, you know, you can replace some of these guys you're talking about, but to, to say they can't repeat would be um, pretty stupid.
0: Well, before, I don't want to go right into a hypothetical, but I almost have to. After, if you're the GM of Tampa Bay, after watching Pilat in this Stanley Cup, you know, you have to move two guys just based off of a cap because you got to resign Cernok. you got to resign Sorelli. You got to resign Sergachev. You need you know you need them defensemen. You're not going to have any D. They have two D signed and Coburn, McDonough, Hedman, and Coburn. Do you trade Johnson and Kalorn if possible, just to keep Pilat? Or do you say, all right, we won the Cup. We could move Pilat now because technically, you know he he has been banged up in his career. We know how good he is, but he's been banged up. We have to get rid of a couple of these guys. You might get more for him after that playoff appearance that he just that he just had playoff appearance playoff run. I don't know. It's a tough thing. I was thinking about it today, actually. Just sitting. I'm there keeping him. Talk about him in the show. I was like, how do you not keep Pollard after that?
1: He was so good.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just I don't see any way they move him. But if I, he gets moved next week, I mean, you're picking up a massive guy. if, just they, four-
1: if they trade Johnson and who'd you just say Johnson and
0: Kalorn? Well, you got three guys: Johnson, Kalorn, and Pollard are always the guys come up in the rumors because they have no. I think they have six million in cap space with Sergachev, Cernok, and Sorelli to sign.
2: Jesus. I think Johnson's a definite to go. Like well, I think if I had to pick no one, card. well, if I had to say one out of those three guys, I, I say Tyler Johnson is the one that's going to go.
0: Yeah. I didn't want to go right into it. All the Tampa hypotheticals right away, but I had to just sort of that one out there, but uh, congratulations to them. Great team. I put it out on Twitter last night. Congratulations to Shaddy. Obviously we're going to interview Colby Cohen later on in this episode. You guys will hear it. And he's uh, one of Shaddy's best friends. And we all wanted to wish you Congratulations. I know you guys, Huff, I don't know if you met him. Louis obviously met him, but uh, great guy, you know, became really close in New York. So real happy for him. I also played with Yanni Gord, Andre Vasileski, Luke Shen, uh, obviously Ryan McDonough. So congratulations, all those guys as well and the whole team well-deserving. So moving on to a little bit different of news, some sad news that obviously the Ranger fans are expecting us to talk about today, but, uh, my deep partner and one of my closest buddies on the Rangers, Mark Stahl, was traded this week to the Detroit Red Wings. It's i uh, I'm sure obviously all you guys have seen the tweets and all that kind of stuff of the players, how much he went to the, to the locker room to the players on our team, you know, just a great guy, great veteran guys in New York for 13 years. And for myself personally, deep, my deep partner, my, you know, we sat next to each other in the locker room on the stall, play cards together, you know, and uh, just a really good guy. It's tough to see him leave. I know, you know, it's part of the business that happens to a lot of guys and all over the league. But when you lose a guy like that, it just, it's not the, you know, the locker room isn't the same anymore. You know, you need guys to step up and take over, you know, leadership roles in the locker room, but Stalzy, 13 years in New York, you know, played through countless injuries and blocked shots and did whatever he had to do and just a really good player an all-star and, you know, um, just an irreplaceable guy in a way when you combine the on and off ice, uh, what he brings to the table on and off the ice i was so, gonna say
1: didn't you room with him
0: no, no on the road no he, on the road nah he gets his own room oh does he yeah once you're off your entry level you get your own room he's had his own room for like 10 years before i got in the league <laughs> i forget you had a couple you had a couple stories about him on the road that were hilarious he's, uh, he's a great guy listen I'm, like i said i'd say it again irreplaceable between what he brings on and off the ice to me like and he helped me a lot you know personally as a D partner, he's you know a calming influence on me. He was a good he was a good partner for me when you talk hockey wise, but you know off the ice and you know helping me out when you know if I got fired up, I might get fired up sometimes on the bench. And Stalz he's uh, right there to calm you down and kind of keep you on the right path. And uh, we're all going to miss him. You know we talked to him, talked to him last night Facetime, so uh, good opportunity for him you know to go to Detroit and kind of keep his keep on going here. And I know Detroit's excited to have him. I listened to Steve Eisen in his press conference, so he was real. Real pumped to get him. He knows what kind of guy he's getting, what kind of players. So Stall brothers have had a trade eventful summer for the Stall brothers, but we're sad to see Mark go. Uh, I'm sure I think we have some fan questions that Louis said. Maybe we'll touch more on a little bit later in the episode. But uh, the other trade this week was Patrick Hornquist and Matheson. I'm not sure we talked about it last week. I think it was in the works. I don't know if we did. We may have. But that trade got done. Pittsburgh continues to retool a little bit. They're trying to change that roster up. So. Let's try to wait right now still. Yeah, it, they're trying to just mix it up, too. I think they thought maybe they got a little stale. Yeah. So, Pittsburgh's going to change it up a little bit. Um,
1: I like that, Matheson. I think he's got not, some game.
0: Yeah, Matheson had a tough year, but before that, he was real good. He got a long-term extension from Florida. I always believe that players could bounce back pretty easily. So. Look at Shaddy. It just happened. I don't, uh, I don't go on these long – you know, I don't just go off a guy right away. I think that's why you send scouts out. You see the tools. You see what he's doing. You know what I mean? That's why you have pro scouts. If you didn't have pro scouts, you know what I mean? He wouldn't need it. Oh, this guy stinks. He's no good no more. So I think Matheson would be fine. Hornquist could pick up for Florida though, no matter what, you know, whether Matheson turns out to be great for Pittsburgh or not. I think Hornquist is a a player that Florida was looking for and, you know, and was trying to get obviously. So found themselves a good deal.
2: We got, Uh, um, we got some other big news out of the Rangers. Another longtime Ranger was just announced on Twitter uh, that the Rangers are going to be buying out the King tomorrow. So Hank, Rear with the Rangers is coming to an end tomorrow. Is
0: that breaking news? That was breaking just breaking news. Was this reported now?
2: It was just reported.
0: Uh everybody's all over
2: Frank Sarvalli, um, TSN, Sportsnet, everybody put it out.
0: Well that was uh news to me obviously then. So I guess we got breaking news during the show for the first time. Another guy, I mean I just talked about Mark Stahl, and obviously, you know, I was a bit closer with Mark Stahl personally just from the D partner and you know the off uh times we had and stuff. But Henrik Lundqvist, I feel like I'm being interviewed now. Henrik Lundqvist, um, I mean, what can you, what can't you say about this guy? You know, Hall of Fame goalie, best goalie all. I mean, Mike Richter won the Cup for the Rangers, but Hank's the best goalie of all time for the Rangers. I would say, you know, his number is going to be retired by the team. He's a great guy, a fan favorite. You know, one of the best goalies of our of our generation for sure. And you know, a good person did a lot in the community in New York. Uh, you can't say enough good things about him. He's, you know. And he just has that big personality, the way he dresses, the way he looks, you know, people love him. And he's, uh... so to see him go is going to be a sad thing. Like I said, it's all part of the business. You know, I'm surprised to see it. Obviously I have, you know, you read all the stuff, you see everything's happening, but uh, kind of breaking news for me right now. So I was a little caught off guard here, but um, I'll have to reach out to Hank with, you know, if it becomes official. I feel like we're talking about something. Uh, yeah, it, it like I I it's but it's official. not official, so it's hard to talk about, but I guess we'll see you tomorrow. I was gonna uh, say, uh, but a great guy, okay. another great guy, and we, he, I guess
2: it's official, official speculation. But everybody he loses has you lose
0: another really, really big, you know, piece of the locker room. I think that Igor, you know, took over the the net. That's you know, that just is what it is. I think Hank would say that himself. Kid came in and played great, and you know, you have a 24 year old goalie that they want to play. It's just that's the business. But you know, when it comes to Henrik Lundqvist, it's like you know, without the it's like Marty Brodor, when You're talking about Marty Berube leaving the Devils. You know, I think, obviously, Martin had the cups and stuff, but it's still that kind of power figure in an organization. And, you know, he's he's a Hall of Famer every day of the week. And he's going to have his number retired. And, you know, I'm sure they're going to do everything that they're supposed to do for him and show him the respect he deserves. But just uh, wish him all the best, obviously. I think he's still got game left, and I hope he goes somewhere and plays really well. And uh, that's really all I could say about it right now.
1: I was just gonna say, as a Flyers fan, anytime you were playing a healthy Hank, you were like, we're not scoring more than two.
0: Growing up, when I was a Flyers fan as well, me and you obviously the same age. When the Flyers played the Rangers in MSG, you knew they were losing the game
2: every up, time.
0: Especially when Tortorella was a coach, Lunk was may let up two, Flyers let up four, and you came out of there like, you're like, damn it, you're like that
1: Hank ball. stops everything.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I so might. The, to go back on it, though, sorry. for It's just a little disappointing. You know, it's always disappointing when you lose teammates. But uh, hockey's a business, man. So I've been traded twice myself. And you got two guys who be long, long, long-time Rangers that are going to be, uh, you know, departing a team and just great guys leaving, you know, long legacies with the teams, too. So sad times as a player when you're a player on a team. But, you know, you got to move forward. And them guys are going to move forward and continue their great careers. So, but, uh, well, you caught me off guard a little bit. I, got oh, I was
2: gonna say uh, the king might have a better loaf than you do. Dude, that guy,
1: um, I I didn't want to some, say it like I got
2: some good flow up there, but the king's got the hairdo.
1: Henrik Lundqvist, if you're looking to get better at fashion, just follow that guy on Instagram. Yeah, just go on
2: days. his Instagram, learn some hair tips, some Dude, tips. Henrik
1: Lundqvist, you're hide your girl if you're around that guy.
2: Yeah,
0: he's got he's got fashion. <laughs>
1: guys, a stud.
0: You know, I got I try to dress real nice. You know, on a home game. I always wear my good suits in the home games. When we go on the road, I'll bring, like, my, you know, my backup white
1: yeah, shirt. Bring a Calvin.
0: And kind of, like, you know, the, the long dress coat when we're playing in the winter. And I don't care as much about, like, having, you know, everything. I kind of just wear the coat over top, but I wear it too. Hank gets on the bus. He looks unbelievable.
2: Hank's dripped out in Barbados.
0: Hank's got everything on. He's got the hair slicked back. He's got, you know, we're in a sunny place in California. He's got the sunglasses on. He's got the suit. He's got <coughs> – or just casually, he's got the G- – the tailored jeans everybody's like everybody's like banging around the bus guys look like bums at the time <laughs> hank, comes in, <laughs> hank comes in probably with 15 grand worth of wear the clothes on look at the
1: best stars fits at like 8 a.m on the on the plane flights when everyone's showing up to the plane like this no leather time. jacket your white shirts, like jacket, your white <laughs> hank dude, looks, dude he looks like he came hank from like a gq photo, photo shoot there. yeah exactly.
0: i was just gonna say he's looks from like
2: the clothes clothes to the photo shoot somewhere.
0: i'm like hank were you just with 10 models on a yacht cuz like what are you doing <laughs> It's it's unbelievable. You get on the plane. Listen, you get on the plane on a say a Sunday morning you're flying back to somewhere after a Saturday, you know, Saturday game. Say you're playing in California. You get on your your shirts halfway tucked in. You can't wait to get in the chair. He comes on, he's got the the luggage bags, and he looks he looks unreal. Dude, he's got the Louis V. luggage bag. Yeah. yeah. He's got so, the buckles uh, on
2: the side. Yeah, he
1: does have his own clothing line in Sweden, though. I'm about to get a shirt. I'm gonna have to look at shirt.
0: Huh? Grab a shirt, I said.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Slick your back. You, know, you think you'd be yeah. able to get me a discount, huh?
0: <laughs> nah, no discounts. Uh, it's got to be full price. Might get right. you free shipping. <laughs> All right. Third, actually, is this is fourth week. Fourth what, week trivia? of trivia. It is the fourth week of trivia. We're on week four. Should we call Ron? Trivia. We could phone California. him in. We, you might, might need to phone a friend. We can try to bring in Ron. All right. Week four, I got to start keeping track of the uh, of the tallies. What you guys are, I think Louis over three, Huffs one for three, Ronnie's Ronnie's two
2: and one, Huffs one and two. Yes,
0: I'll Um, I'll mark these down. We'll keep a running total on Twitter. The
2: best. I'm three and oh.
0: All right, Louis, we're gonna give you an easy one and really try to get you on the board.
2: Oh God,
0: who is nicknamed the Russian Rocket?
2: Uh, the Russian Rocket. Um. Pavlo
0: bure. Louis got his first correct. Did you say bure. He got. Pavlo bure. <laughs> I was looking in his eyes to see if he looked down. Maybe if he had like his phone out, was talking to it for a second. But he got that pretty easy. Solid. Huff, another easy one for you. I want to. Yeah, right, if you don't get this one, I'll cry. You're gonna be two for four after this. New York Islanders won their first cup in 1980 against which team? Flyers. You remember what happened? I think. The fires got swept? No, it was the offsides. Sean, well, it wasn't offside. the
1: first goal. that... The, the, it, was, it wasn't the OT goal. The overtime
0: goal. Yeah. The overtime goal was way offsides. No,
1: no, no. It was a goal before that.
0: No, didn't the Ironers win the cup promise. in I promise. The they the won
1: the cup in OT, but I promise. That the, the goal you're thinking about, it wasn't, it
2: wasn't the winner. Boys, listen, we weren't even thought of at that time, 1980.
0: Yeah, but you got to know that. That's good hockey history. Yeah, it
2: was the Flyers. They lost yeah,
1: 1980
0: because was... everybody in Philly sports went to the finals that year: Sixers, Phillies, Flyers, Eagles. They all went.
2: Huff, did you actually know that, or you knew it because Sean gave Tony Flyers questions?
1: No, I knew that it was the Flyers, and I knew that the goal that they went offside on wasn't overtime.
2: All right, good history, then. Good job. I'm yeah, tough. you see what happens when Ron's not here. We go two and up. You
0: guys pick up. You guys pick up the yeah. pace. Okay. All right, Louis a four Huffs, two, or four. Good stuff, fellas. That's this week of uh, that's this week of trivia. I usually like when there's three guys. It makes it go a little longer, but uh, that's week four of trivia. And I'm going to transition. We won't even have a little outro of trivia this year. I'm going to transition right into fan questions that Louie had for me. So, Lou, uh, fire away before we head over to Colby.
2: Yeah, we got a couple good ones. Um, the first one is tell us about uh, rookie dinner. So, what you know, what do rookies right. pay for, what goes on.
0: So rookie dinners is, um, you got to do a skit. Huh, did you guys have rookie dinner this year, rookie party or anything? Yeah. So usually at rookie dinner, you'll have like it's a set price. You have to pay a certain amount no matter what. So it doesn't matter like what people are ordering, and you're eating it anyway. You're eating whatever's coming out anyway. So like you're pretty you much know, paying you, double. Yeah, you're drinking the wine, you're drink eating the food, and then you have a set price. You know that gets paid to the uh, guys who collect the money there. But the rookie party, you know, you got to. You know there's nothing really crazy about it. I mean, it's a party, the rookies have to like you know. When I was in Phoenix, my rookie party, we had to do a skit where we had to make you know, like impersonate one of the guys on the team, one of the veteran guys. So you really had to pick, like, choose wisely who you wanted to go after, yeah. Like, because you know, but, some guys are a little sensitive, yeah. You had to do a skit, and I remember I um, somebody gave me the joke kind of, and I, I said it. We had Louis Domingue, Louis Domingue was our goalie, and he called himself the King, the King Domingue or King Louis Domingue, whatever. He's a great guy. And I had to come up and he had to make a joke about one of the older guys. So my joke was along the lines of, We have the, uh, I can't believe we have a backup goalie that refers to himself as the King, you know, because we, because uh, Lundquist <laughs> was the King. That's who everyone, you know, referred to as the King. And it was something along that lines. And I kind of felt bad saying it because it was like pretty, it was pretty mean, but everybody kind of like took it easy. They knew it was coming. And then you had to do a skit on top of making a joke about them. You had to do a skit impersonating like them in a way. So you had a couple guys together. We had a lot of rookies on Phoenix. So you had to do that. You had to impersonate them. You had to sing, you know, all funny stuff like that. There's nothing crazy. Like anyone get booed. I sang sang hello by Adele.
1: Oh, wow. Oh uh, Oh my God.
0: I don't know if I picked the song or it was picked for, I forget what, what went down there. That was a long time ago now, but, uh, Hey, if
1: you're ever this is this is for anyone listening. If for anyone listening, if you if you ever got to do a skit or get up in front of everyone and sing a song, "Ice Ice Baby" is
2: always money. But right out of Step Brothers, it's That's always a great money. song. It really is.
0: Rookie rookie parties are good though because like nothing crazy happens. People probably think like the craziest shit happens. It really doesn't. It's just uh, a good what kind of like you get on. Oh, I'm still talking. You just get on them like uh, <laughs> get on them a little bit and kind of what's the name? And kind of uh, like it happened to myself. It happens to the next guy. It's an awkward time. You dread it. Like you dread going to the rookie party. Yeah. Because you don't want to have to get up in front of the team and do skits and sing and impersonate people because you're still a rookie, right? You you don't know these guys that well. Like you hope that the party's late in the season when you're getting like real comfortable. It makes it a little easier. But uh, rookie parties, are good times.
2: Good what kind time. of dinner tab do you guys go for? What's a run yet?
0: Uh, 5,000 a piece maybe. I would say is so around the league
1: all right let's move rookie, on to our next one
0: them rookie bonuses coming in so you gotta they, they <laughs> dig into that they'll grab you for five
2: <laughs> no football bets that week
0: yeah you gotta take the week off
2: all right we got another one um so with the draft coming up what advice would you give to a rookie that you wish you knew as a rookie
0: uh we're actually going to touch on it with um with Kobe a little bit later and I could kind of as a rookie, when you first come into the league, I'm sure, you know, most of them go back to juniors to start, but there will be some that come into the league. And you're coming from junior hockey, right? You're coming from junior hockey or college hockey where you were the man. You're the best player on the team. Almost every player that gets drafted in the first round, especially first and second round, were the best players on their respective teams. So you're coming into a spot where you're not going to be the best player on the team, at least at the start. You know, you very well may turn out to be the best player on the team really soon, but you're not going to be the best player on the team to start and you're not going to have a coach to probably just let you run wild and do whatever you want. So taking the advice of the team that drafts you, you know, cause you got to remember the team that drafts you is putting their trust into you and they want you, you know, they're not just drafting you because like if you fell to them or it's a, they're pulling names out of a hat. They did their research on you. They wanted you and they have a plan for you to develop. So not getting frustrated if things don't go your way to start and, and listening to the team and letting them develop you in the way that they think's prop, you know, the proper way, because most of the time, they're probably right. So for myself, I probably was a little too anxious to get to the NHL when I was in Tampa Bay, and and maybe didn't, um, you know, didn't listen properly to or understand exactly how they wanted to develop me. And I kind of we were a disagreement. And as a young player, we kind of just got to go with it. And uh, you know, if it doesn't work out, maybe it doesn't work out. It happens to a lot of players too. But they have their best interests for you. So just taking it slow and trying to get better every day with it. All right. Anyone?
2: Yeah, a couple more. Uh, what was your favorite memory of last season?
0: My favorite memory of last season. All right. So, my hat trick was, was pretty cool, something I won't forget. You know, that was like a, a special night for myself. And, you know, my parents were there and just kind of everything was going in and just a crazy night, right? And, um, but my favorite moment of the season had to be when, Mika, you know, the Mika five goal game was. It's either that or the game when we beat the Islanders in overtime. But I think the Mika 5-0 game, because I've played in New York now for 161 games, I think, exactly. And I don't know how many I've played at the Garden, but I, let's just say half. Let's say you played 80 at the Garden. I haven't heard the Garden jump like that or get that late. It felt like we just won a playoff round or something or scored an overtime to win a playoff series. The place was insane. I mean, you seen Mika... We were, you know, we were in the lead. He's got one. He's got two. And he scored the third at the start of the third period. Then he scored the fourth to tie the game with like 56 seconds left or 46 seconds left, whatever. No, sorry. That was to take the lead. And then Ovechkin scored to tie it. And then he scores in overtime, the fifth goal, and a great play, you know, all around by Panarin and him. And the place, you could, we were still in the locker room after the game. And I think Mika was going out for his first start, you know, where he goes out and gives the little sick twirl, whatever, you know, they're doing. And you could still hear the crowd. So it was just like one of those nights where you're kind of just, it was unbelievable. So personally, you know, on a personal standpoint, the hat trick night is right up there with it. But I think the, you know, the best memory of the season had to be that five goal night. I think a lot of guys would say that too.
2: Right, that was a pretty fun game to watch. Um, This is a pretty good one. Uh, What do you plan to do post-hockey career?
0: What do I plan to do post-hockey career? Well, I want to work in hockey. The guy tried buying a Chick-fil-A the
2: other
1: week.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I would have liked to get a Chick Fil A. Um, that's not my <laughs> post plan though. <no. laughs> the Rangers uh,
2: score three goals. Yeah, try.
0: Oh my God! I, imagine. I want to work in hockey. I uh, I'd love to be a GM. I'd love to be a coach. I think coaching is probably what I want. I go back and forth all the time. I want to be a coach. So I want to be a GM. I think I'd want to work in junior hockey. I've always had the uh, since I played in junior in the OHL. I've always wanted to go back and coach and GM a junior team. I talk to Stromer about this all the time. We talk about it on the plane. And, uh, so I would like to maybe buy a junior who who knows what's going to happen, but I'd like to work as a coach or a GM in hockey. If not, maybe, uh, an analyst or something like that, but I'd like to stay in the sport for as long as possible. I don't really have any other, any other plans outside of hockey, to be honest. Fellas, 2020 has made it hard for us to stay as hygienic as we should be. Luckily, our partners at Manscaped have made it easy to turn your bathroom into your own private doing salon. Need to shave some body hairs in all kinds of places we don't want to know about? Go no further than manscaped.com. The new lawnmower 3.0 has came out. It's the best in the business. We've been partnering with them for a while now. I know you guys have heard many ads. But go on. Use code TD77 for 20% off and free shipping off your order. And get hygienic. Get shaved down. And get ready to go for the women with Manscaped. 3.0 lawnmower. Code TD77. All right, After uh, so we discussed some sad stuff with Lundqvist and Stahl. Obviously, we took you through uh, Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Cup, amongst some other things there. But uh, we're going to turn it over. we got Colby Cohen joining us now, so we're going to turn the interview over to Colby. All right, we're now joined by Colby Cohen, former NHL player drafted in the second round by the Colorado Avalanche years back in a 2007 NHL entry draft, now works for NBC Sports, NBC Sports Philadelphia and ESPN, right? Or is it just the company of NBC Sports and ESPN?
3: Yeah, I think it's however you want to go with it. I don't think anybody even knows who owns what anymore, so I think you're safe the way you put it.
0: (laughs) All right, let's – going to get right into it. Obviously, you play with Shaddy, longtime friends with Kevin Shattenkirk and uh, my teammate as well the last couple years before going to Tampa in New York. Tell us your thoughts on the cup – Give us your thoughts on Shaddy in general. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your stories with him. You guys played at BU together during the crazy national championship in 2008-2009 season. One of the – maybe the best comeback in college history, would you say? I'm sure you're going to say yeah. yes.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't – I'm not a historian, you know. Like, I don't know <laughs> the history so much of the of the game, but uh, it was obviously a big comeback. And, you know, when you think about – I mean, you – it's funny because when you, you bring up Shaddy – you played with them and I mean you guys had like a love affair between each other. I mean, the amount of times I would get text messages about how much he freaking loved you or whatever you said that day or did that day. I mean, Shaddie would just he'd be blowing me up after a practice or a game with, with the latest Tony Tony D'Angelo news. So um, you know, look, it's it's you get to a point when when you play a little bit. Um, you know I had an an okay pro career you know not great but you know I I stuck around for a couple minutes and you get to this point where you really you lose you you know you're not a fan of any one team in particular and you get to this point where you really just like to watch your friends and guys you played with and uh, you like to see them do well and and you know Shaddy's one of those guys you're one of those guys whether it's college you know we were joking about Ron Greco I mean I for almost three years, would be checking the BC box scores every week to see if Ronnie uh, put up any points. And, you know, we know – He has yeah, to check a lot. Know, I was going to say, we would have, right. I'd have to get lucky. But, um, you know, it's, it's good to see your friends do well and and to see Shadi get, get a chance to win. And, I mean, he, he definitely had a big role on the team, which I thought was cool. I mean, that team is loaded with good players, loaded with good defensemen. Um, so, you know, you – you smile. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that that you enjoy and you appreciate about the game of hockey. And whether it's seeing a friend get a big contract or, you know, seeing a guy do really well. I mean, when Shadi scored the overtime goal in what was a game four, or whichever game it was um, when he scored that goal. I mean, I I jumped out of my seat and it was almost uncontrollable. Like I didn't even mean to do it. I was so excited for him. And and it's nice when you're when you can find that emotion after you're done playing, because that's the kind of emotion you have when you do play, when you score a goal or you make a big play, you almost can't control it. You know, Tony, you know what it's like, you score a goal at Madison square garden, uh, a big goal. And those, that goal song goes off and you jump into the, into the glass and the fans are on their feet. Like you can't even control what you do at that point. Cause you're just so excited. So um, I think that, you know, seeing, seeing Shaddy win, especially after, you know, getting bought out in New York, which I think was obviously really challenging a guy who, you know, just wanted to go play for his hometown team and, and make people proud. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a good story to see. It's a guy who sort of lost his way a little bit, lost his confidence a little bit, you know, and then he goes and he puts up 35 points in 70 games. He goes into the playoffs has like 14 or 15 points and really secured a, another four or five years for himself in the league yeah. um, with a handful of teams that are really interested in him. So, I mean, I, I, I watched it. I watched it close. Um, you know, I didn't do any of the Stanley cup final games. I got, uh, I got to work through the first two, well, three rounds of the playoffs this year. I got to do games for Westwood one on the radio and, and, and be a part of the playoffs, which was cool. But, Um, you know, I'm happy and I'm happy for them. And, and as I know you are, and, and, um, you know, it's just it was a good story. They were the best team. I thought they deserved to win. They were, you know, no team was ever really in a series with them. So um, it was a good way for everything to end.
0: Yeah. Unless they let a team in the series with them, like the overtime goal or whatever, lucky bounce, nobody was, nobody could play with them, but um, all right, we're going to ask you to just take us through your career a little bit coming out of BU obviously all the success you had at BU and then going into the Colorado system from there to Boston and uh, kind of just take us through your career a little bit. We'll let you take it from here and then we got a couple more questions for you based off of uh, your transition now into the sports media world.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, you're you're a young kid and and you're sitting at the draft as an 18-year-old kid and you're you're just waiting here your name called and and for me it was a it was a you know, I think back to to the draft because I know it's coming in the next couple of days. And I always, you know, remember how, for me, the draft went from this really great fun experience to something that became very stressful. And, um, you know, I remember sitting there in the first round falling, falling down, falling, you know, and it was, it it was a, almost, I was so relieved when I finally did hear my name called by Colorado and, and um, you know, it, it was, instead of a happy moment, it was just a moment of relief. And, and, um, you know, that's kind of where it all starts. I mean, when you hear your name called, and a lot of people say it, but that's really when the work starts, it really doesn't guarantee you anything. Um, You know, it's not like the NFL, where they're drafting players, mostly they're drafting prospects, and, and then you've got to kind of go work your way through it. And, you know, for me, it was a it was the college route. It was, it was going to be you, which I know that's where you were going if you went to college. So, uh, you, you know, you could have had, you could have had about seven years with Quinny instead of just a couple in the NHL. And, um, (laughs) you know, by that, by that point, you guys would probably have the same last name. So, um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah, he might've said, uh, I think you're too much for me. So he, he, he might've had to ask for another million a year on that salary, but, uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a great experience, played at BU for three years, um, definitely some of the, the most fun years of, of my life. I mean, you know, we got Huffy on the podcast who who went through a couple of years uh, of college hockey, so I, I'm i sure he had no shortage of fun in his time in school, and I'm sure he got into no no types of trouble and and, and no types of off-ice uh, off uh, indiscretion, so um you know I I spent three years at BU and and you know got to be a part of a couple of really good teams my sophomore year we won uh everything we only lost a couple of games that year maybe four or five games and as you boys all know when you're playing on a team that doesn't lose the times are fun and and what happens off the ice with the guys in the locker room when you're going to the house parties on campus and you're going to bars and you know, all of that stuff that makes college hockey and college sports so much fun. Well, when you're winning, nothing, you know, nothing matters. It's, it's yeah. all about winning. So, um, you know, I, I spent three years there. I played for uh, Jack Parker, who, who was one of my favorite coaches to play for. He was tough, but I i respected him a lot about as much as I ever respected a coach. And, and um, you know, I, I took my lumps and, and I had Quinny on defense as you know, you've gotten to know he's uh, he's he's a a guy who wants you to do it his way, and you know, for a nineteen year old hot shot, that sometimes is a little bit difficult. Um, so yeah, it was a it, it was a you know, college hockey for me was was such a good experience, and and I'm a something that I push and and that I tell kids, um, you know, you you really can't go wrong, but. You know, I do understand that it it isn't for everyone, and I know we've we've actually got a couple of good hockey players in our area now, kids that are coming up. Um, you know, the one kid who's I think he's supposed to go to Northeastern. If I'm if I'm Vinny is his name. Yeah,
0: that's he skates with me all the time. He's really good. I think he's a freak. He's one of the best skaters I've ever seen. So right, and
3: he got a bunch of guys.
0: We got a he's the best of the bunch. and We got a good crew, like young guys, defensemen especially. Well.
3: And I mean, I think that it's important for our area. They now have guys to look up to like you. I mean, we haven't really ever had a guy from our area be successful in the NHL. We've had a handful of guys that have gone and played. You know, I played a couple of games. Tank Grady played a couple of, you know, he was in and out. Chad Kaloric, who is a little bit older. I don't know if, you know, you, you wouldn't have ever crossed paths with Chad in pro because he was already, he's already playing in Sweden. Um, but he was a local guy who played some games for the Rangers, actually, when I think back to it. But we've never really had that real successful NHL guy from our area. So, you know, I think it's, it's important for the kids to have someone like you um, and, you know, Johnny, obviously, who's, yeah. who's, you know, had a pretty good career. Um, but, you know, I, I always try to push these young guys and tell them, look, you know, try college hockey um, you know you can always change your mind if it's not working out you can always go play major junior but you know a lot of the bonuses from college are you know it's it's not just about on the ice i think a lot of it has to do with the fun and and a lot of the things that you can learn off the ice so um, you know that's that's one of the reasons that i that i always try to push that and and try to tell the young kids especially in our area to at least you know give that a chance and 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 go give that an opportunity but um, when I got done at BU after my junior year, uh, Shady and I actually signed, we signed the same day, um, and we signed in a bar next to the arena, again, cause we, we needed a fax machine and our buddy owned a bar called T's pub. So he let us use the fax machine in the back office at the bar for us to sign our contracts and fax That's unreal. Them. And we faxed them back to Charlotte Graham, who was the, you know, executive, um, you know, vice president of administration for the Colorado Avalanche. I don't know if you guys remember a goalie by the name of John Graham um, played for Tampa, actually won a cup in Tampa behind hobby Boulin. And that's his mom. She's, she's a, a high level executive for the Colorado Avalanche, but so we signed our contracts in a bar um, and then we were off to the American League and, and that's kind of when, you know, pro pro hockey started for him and I uh, was our first couple of games in Cleveland. And, um, you know, I, I know you know what that league is like, Tony. I think you, yeah. you know, I don't think you played too, too many games, but, you, but you've had 125,
0: 130, a couple of so years, yeah, you, two full years,
3: you know, you know what that what the league is like. It's 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 a hard league to play in. I mean, yeah. it is it's not for everyone.
0: Well, especially coming out of your situation, like Shaddy and you, where you guys were doing, you were doing a BU, the top guys probably running loose offensively. You know, you can still do the same stuff outside the rink in the, eight, in the American yeah, League. I was yeah. going to say. But, like, you get a whole different, you know, there's guys there already. There could be prospects on the depth chart ahead of you that are still there. You know, the coaches are harder on young guys, and they want to, you know, reel them in and shit. It turns into a whole different, uh, whole different ball. My first year in Syracuse, you know, when I was coming from Tampa, I felt like they were trying to change my whole game. And I was was losing my mind. And that's obviously why my time in Tampa came to an end after it just wasn't working out between them and I, you know, and I was a young guy thinking that I should be able to do, you know, play all the offense I want and do this, what I want. And I think, you know, you look back on it, they're just trying to help develop you in the way that they think is fit. But I can imagine, you know, when you come out of college, I'm sure you're in the same boat. We've talked about this before, but it's, especially for guys like me and you, it's not the... uh, No. start your pro career
3: well because you know look you and I are not two individuals that you know sometimes we challenge and go against the grain and I think a lot of coaches have a hard time with that especially when you're a young player Um, you know when I, I actually reflect and say feel the same way you do you know my first year in the American League David Quinn was my head coach and it was a very very difficult because we had this relationship based on playing at BU Mm -hmm. and when you get to pro it's way different and and things change and and you're right it was it felt like they wanted to change me but they just want to help and Mm -hmm. um, you know for you your skill rose to the top and you kind of rose above it I never produced and I I really frankly wasn't good enough to put the numbers and to do it at that level so I probably should have listened more and and tried to adapt my game a little bit differently. Um, who was your coach when you first went to Syracuse? It wasn't Coop, was it? No, Coop was gone. It was Rob Zettler. Gotcha. Okay. Um, he seems like a, a pretty a pretty good guy to play for John Cooper. Like he doesn't he doesn't panic a lot. At least from what I saw from the playoffs this year. I mean, I guess it's easy not to panic when you have the roster he had. But I, I just I watched. You know, if you. I mean, I think you probably remember Shaddy's last year with the Rangers, you know, I came up and saw a dozen games, you know, I came around probably 1015 games, uh, home games, and, you know, I I'm a former player when a guy makes a mistake, whether it's you or Shaddy or anybody I know, I always watch the coach to see what happens when you go back to the bench. Yeah. Um, and I just, what I was so impressed with, with John Cooper and Tampa, and I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but I, I promise I have a point was that he, you know, a guy makes a mistake, Bogosian turns the puck over, Shadi turns the puck over, whatever, who isn't named Victor Hedman or Kucherov. They go, they don't go back to the bench and get bitched out. They don't get benched. They don't get pulled off the ice right away. They stay out for the rest of their shift and then they go out for their next shift and it, it, it empowers the player to understand that I got to this level when I make a bad play, I know I don't need my lunch handed to me every single time. Um, and I think it allows players to play better. Now I know for a fact that early in the playoffs, you know, they were a little bit on annoyed with one or two of, of sh- even Shaddy's games and they, they didn't bench them. They didn't, they talked to him after a game, they showed him a couple clips and that was it. And he was off to the races for a guy like that. Right. So, you know, I, guess I, I appreciate that type of coaching, especially for my personality um, you know, cause I always wanted to go against the grain for whatever reason and make it harder on myself. I think you can relate to that. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's important and it's good, good to learn all that stuff about coming into pro hockey, which I, I did learn in my, you know, four years in the American League, um, you know, just in, in a difficult way.
0: Yeah. And when you like what you were saying, I'll add on to that is like when a coach does that and you kind of have a leash like, you know, uh, you know, you gained a leash with the coach. You don't lose guys that way either. You know, if you bench a guy early in the game. You lo- He's done. You lost him. Because you know, a chance, especially in a playoff game like that, when's he coming back? You know, when you're putting him back into the third period, when you you know, he might be down two one or up two one or whatever. So if you you know if guy makes ten bad plays in a row, yeah, he's gonna be gone. But early in the game, you gotta stay even keeled. I think Cooper did a great job of that. But I also think he knew how good his team was. I think he knew that there was no reason to snap because it was if they played it the way they were, he knew it was gonna it was gonna work out for the way it did. So um we all wanted to ask you this question. Tell us about So we know you went to Providence in 2010. You got traded from Colorado in 2010, right? During the season?
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. After my first, I had gotten called up. I played a couple of games and then I got traded for Matt Hunwick.
0: Yeah. So you go to Boston and you wind up winning a cup in Boston. So with the cup last night, obviously what happened, I I don't know what they did in Edmonton. I'm not sure. I hope they got to bring the ring on, but what had, tell us about the night in Vancouver when you guys beat the Canucks and, and how all that went down with the Bruins and the party, and I know they were rioting in the city. What was that night like? I know you were there. Yeah,
3: geez. So yeah, I mean, I was, I was sort of, I guess I got to, I was like a, a, I was a black ace, but I was sort of a black ace on steroids because I, I actually got to travel with the team for yeah. all four rounds, and um, I got you know, to practice with the team a lot of days, you know, we had an extra group that skated on their own. Um, And, and then as that winded down, as we got deep into the playoffs, they got rid of most of the guys. There was only like three, myself, Matt Barkowski, Jordan Curran, and Trent Whitfield. There were four of us. And um maybe one more guy I'm forgetting I, I can't remember we you know they carried an extra like five guys it was like yeah. 25 guys total or something and so um yeah we win that game I I kind of remember it was you know we were really not sure like if what our role in all this was you know like we we practiced every day we got our asses bag skated I mean I was bag-skated. gonna say how hard
1: are those skates Kobe dude Tell everyone they're harder than practice.
3: We had Doug Jarvis running those skates some days. And he's, you know, Doug Jarvis has won like eight or nine Stanley Cups as a coach and a player. Like he's been on coach like some ridiculous amount. Great guy, been around. But days where he would skate us, we would all like be crying (laughs) under our our helmets because we knew that it was just going to be so miserably hard that you know it, it it was it was gonna suck I mean that extra 40 minutes on the ice with those guys was brutal now Bruce Cassidy was there too and we would always have a little bit of fun at the end Butch was all about skills and and like playing shinny so we always my the, the guys I just mentioned Kudobin and Rask because because T- Tuka was our backup Tim Thomas was still the starter at that point um and we, uh, we would get those skates in. The bike ride after would be miserable. The strength coach, um, white sides used to just destroy For four hours us. Too. Oh, but just, to, I mean. time he's
0: not looking, your feet are off the pedal. You're probably in the he, best shape he, ever.
3: He, he didn't stop looking because he was a BC guy and he destroyed me about being a lazy, yeah. entitled BU guy and never stopped looking at my bike, Tony. Never. <laughs> never. And they made us skate and ride the bike before game seven because they didn't want to break routine, even though there was no tomorrow, no matter what, but they still skated the shit out of us before game seven or biked us. So that was, that was a cool experience. Um, they win the You know, the team wins that night with about five minutes left. They hustle us down to the locker room, the five of us, um and i think i think um uh nathan horton too because he was injured yeah so they hustle us in there um they make they say like you got two minutes to get your gear on and like under normal circumstances you guys know you can get your gear on in a minute and a half if you need to Yeah. but like i was so nervous and like my i guess feeling like jumpy because it was like holy shit like they're having us put our gear on to like go be a part of the cup. Like it was like, Holy shit. Like, obviously you want to play, but it's, you're pretty close to it. So yeah. yeah, I'm like, my hands are like shaking. Like I'm having a hard time freaking getting my socks over. Like my you tape hat. your stick,
1: you throw some dude, clear on
3: dude. I, I was so nervous because it was such a rush and we didn't know that they were going to do it. Apparently, Chara had said if we win, those guys need to be on the ice celebrating with us, which was really cool. You know, like oh, apparently that that came from him. So, um, and like Mark Recchi too. So, like, we I'm nervous as Recchi, Oh my god, yeah. I forgot he played yeah. on the team. Dude, are you kidding me? Like, I had a poster of Rex when I was a kid. Really? So so I mean, it was so surreal. Like the time it was just, I mean, my hands were shaking, like shaking. So, you know, the we get dressed, we're out on the ice, you know, the celebration, the fans in Vancouver are booing. Um, the families are all there. They flew like multiple, like a full charter plane with all the families to Vancouver. Um, you know, I, my family didn't come like I, you know, cause everybody only got like three spots on the plane. So like I gave my spots up. I didn't feel like it was right of me to, to take spots or whatever. And, you know, we, we win, the locker room was crazy. Like I've never seen so much booze, like so many bottles of Dom Perry on, you know, bud lights everywhere. Everybody's pouring it all over everybody. Um, you know, they're, you're elbow to elbow in the locker room. Like it's a shit show. I mean, it's crazy. Like it's shit you see out of a movie. And um, you know, we had an unreal group of guys with Sean Thornton, you know, Chara, Reki, like these guys were they, they wanted to have fun. They knew how to have fun. And the plan from what I remember was that we were supposed to stay in Vancouver and go party at the Roxy that night and then fly home the next day. Um, now the Roxy is the most fun bar I've ever been to in my entire life anywhere in, in, you know, North America. I love it's, that. it's, it's hard to really explain it. It's almost like It's, it's like the Princeton because it has so many different rooms with so many different vibes, like live music, country music. There's just so, but it's like the Princeton, like on steroids, like times 100. I mean, the, the talent in the Roxy, like you just can't, it doesn't do it justice to talk about it. Like you just have to be there. So that's all time. (laughs) We didn't, luckily for me, I got to party at the Roxy the whole finals because I wasn't playing so right. <laughs> that night instead of going out they had to hustle us right to the plane because there was a riot in yeah. Vancouver like people were lighting cars on fire so they canceled got... the Roxy yes the, that the, the Vancouver ooh, night ooh. got canceled we we ended up literally getting escorted to the plane and like it's nighttime I mean the game it was probably so you're like...
1: immediately sending it on the plane then like drinks right so, away on the plane dude
3: uh, we get on the airplane and there had to be, like, I mean, I, there probably was 300 bottles of Dom Perignon on the airplane, which, like, I, I mean, there were so many bottles on, of of champagne uh, on the airplane. And, sure, I didn't even you know, know what
1: Dom P was. I mean, He's the slain, guys
3: – and, and it was – like, everybody kept it respectable. You know, it was not – like, there was nothing illicit or, or, like, wrong that would have been going on. Uh, it was just the happiest group of people on a six-hour plane ride with, you know, a bunch of booze. And, you know, this was before social media. There was not, you know, nobody was tweeting or posting stories on their Instagram or whatever. It was really like you were there living in the moment of it, enjoying it. Our strand coach was singing. Guys were singing. It was like, you know, it was these guys, you know, they just like went to war. I mean, that was a hard playoff run. I mean, I – for me, like just watching it, it was it was. – Didn't they go to three-game sevens? Dude, three-game sevens. We were down in series one, two-nothing. We were down in the finals the entire series. Um, Tampa, every game was hard in the conference final. They were all one-goal games that were goalie-pulled. I mean, it was – it was a battle man the guys our team with Luchik and Horton and Thornton and um you know guys they just they played their asses off like it was it was incredible to see what these guys went through to win and you know for me it was like just don't get in anyone's way you know don't be loud in the locker room which obviously is uh, I'm a loud person so I had to like completely turned myself off every day when I walked into the rink. Um, You know, the guys would want to hear stories about like, where you, what you did the night before and this and that. But Mm. um, you know, it, it it was a, it was just, I mean, seeing it, having a front row seat to like that cup was, it was a cool experience. I, my only regret is that like, I was never actually a part of a good team where I could have sort of like shared what I had seen at least, or like tried to, you know, have a good influence over a team having had watched that and seen it so closely. Um, But it was cool. Like the plane was fun. We got back to Boston. We were, we, we, we came home and before the parade, there was a parade. I mean, the streets of Boston were crawling with people around the garden. We had to get police escorts when we got back to the garden for everyone to get back to their homes to just like change and like take a shower, because um, it, there were so many people, like you couldn't get anywhere. And That's so, a great city to win in. Yeah, I mean the fans there. It's 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 really similar to Philly. Like the fans here and the fans there in Boston are similar um, in, in the fact that they're very passionate about hockey. I think hockey's bigger in Boston than it is in Philly. Um, I think more more of the general population cares about hockey. About hockey. Definitely. Where here, he, where here in Philly, it's a little more of a niche. The people who love it love it, and the other people couldn't care less. They're gonna watch the Sixers, the Phillies, yeah. and the Eagles. Yeah. Um, Until so, they want to
1: shit on Jeru, but we. Yeah, uh,
3: which which is you know you, you always gotta point fingers at someone. It's right. just the it's the world that we live in. I mean, um you know, if something doesn't go wrong in New York, I I blame Tony. I point my fingers right at Tony. So um they were, know, able to, I,
0: were able to this time around after that third uh, the third goal in the final game <laughs> oh boy that's well funny. is that bar it, tab is that bar tab an accurate description is this is this legit it's been circulating for years obviously yeah
3: i mean it's it was really it was real yeah i mean that was 6 grand so i think about 90,000 of the 156 was one bottle of champagne um, It was a yeah. bottle of Ace of Spades. Ace of Spades, and yeah. Ace it Beaver. was, it it it. You couldn't drink it without two people basically tipping it into your mouth. It was so big. I mean, it was it was as tall as Greco's. I mean, it, bigger than the you know, cup. It, it, you know, I don't remember, but I bet it was similar size. Yeah. Um, I bet it was a similar size. So, 100
0: grand. I'm looking at the bar tab right now. hundred grand for it.
3: Yeah. So. Those guys, those guys took really good care of us at Foxwoods. Um, That was a really fun night out. We had like a big, we had our own floor at the MGM and, you know, after we went to Shrine, we, we, you know, like had another team party and, and, you know, it was so different when I think about it. Like I don't even have photos or videos or anything because it was before the time, like I had a Blackberry at the time and it was before the time where you took your phone out and videotaped everything. So Um, I have no phone, no photos, no videos, nothing. Yeah, it sucks. But it also like, you know, like those memories live and die with everybody that was there and that's it. And I think that that's cool. And, 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 you know, nobody gets into any trouble that way. And, and um, you know, it it was, it was a great experience. I I mean, that was so much fun that the, the, the national championship at BU, you know, that party that we had was, was, you know, something out of, like, well I was going like, to ask. You're Mountain State
0: Ronnie, Dude. don't give us anything. Sorry, Huff. I'll let you go in a second. Ronnie, don't give us anything. Like, is he still thinks that, like, Jerry York's holding something against him if he says whatever happened to college. So, we'll ask you. Go ahead, Huff. I'm, I know you want to No, ask. <laughs> I was just
1: going to say, Colby, you guys came back, like, 3-1 in that game. You know, you like you said, you won everything, so the pressure's on. How much of the celebration after was, holy shit, how did we come back? Or, like, wow, we just won the Natty?
3: So... Our team was incredibly arrogant that year. We we knew how good we were. Um and well, yeah, half
1: the roster like playing the NHL that you guys were. I mean, we
3: stacked. we just we were a good like we had a we had everything that year and it just clicked. I mean, you guys have all been on good teams before where just everything's working all the time. And so um, we I remember sitting on the bench with about four or five minutes left when we were down three to one. And I remember looking at Shaddy, you know, cause we both weren't sure if it was going to be our last year being, and I remember saying to him, what a waste of a year, you know, of a great season. And because I thought, you know, there's, there's no way. And then we scored the second goal with a minute left with like 56 point something seconds left. And when that happened, it, all the belief came back and we were all on the edge of the bench and we were all, you know, ready to go. And then, you know, Gilroy makes an incredible play with That's 20 great. seconds. Left. Yeah. face I a mean, shot
1: backhand pass. I
3: mean, he made, he, you oh, know, man. and, and, and the funny thing is, is Gilroy and I like didn't get along great. He was always kind of a <laughs> dick to me. Um, and, and I, you know, we had a rivalry on that team between Shad, between their pair, um, the, the straight and, sure. and Gilroy straight and Gilroy were a pair and Shaddy and I were the other pair and Shaddy and I played on a power play together with Wilson and Gilroy was the only defenseman on the other power play with Benino. And so there was rivalry on our team. It was healthy, but it was heated. Like there was, it was a rivalry for ice time, for minutes, for power play time. I mean, it was like it, in a good way, you know what I mean? Because everybody did respect each other on the ice, um, and Gilroy makes that incredible play. Um, and if he was on here, I wouldn't admit that it was incredible. I'd say it was lucky, but um, but he makes that play. We we tie that game up, and and you know that's you know that. Then we get into overtime, and and. Um, how yeah, the, the, how long was that puck in the air when you shot it off that guy's dude, ass? Dude, I, I wish I remembered. I have to I have to watch the video if I want to remember any moments from that because it's truly one of those moments where um, you do black out. Like you really you're so overcome with emotion that you you don't remember anything. You it's it's like I I I don't remember a period of time from scoring the goal until probably like a few hours later i remember like being at the bar with like everyone and my dad um, and like the fam a lot of the family stayed back at the hotel and like my dad who doesn't drink has never drank got shit faced with me um <laughs> and ev- and everyone at the bar in dc and like i just i wish i remembered the moments after the game in the locker room i wish i remembered i finally I remember like after we got undressed and I went up to the, like, you know, the area where you meet your parents, like seeing my parents was super emotional just because like you guys know, I mean, your parents are a big part of your hockey career. A lot of sacrifice. They drive you everywhere. They, they spend all their money. They, I mean, they sacrifice their asses off. So it's like a shared moment. And, you know, I try to explain to people now that you can't make it without a dedicated parent that has to probably be in the driver's seat until you get to a certain age. And then they go to the passenger seat and become part of the team. And then eventually they have to move to the back seat, but they still get to be in the back seat. They still get to be a part of it because, you know, it's a wee thing. And I mean, Shaddy's parents flew out to Tampa Bay the second they won and they're there right now. And, and, you know, they just, just like your parents would do or my parents would do they, they want to be a part of it. They feel a part of it. And and those moments were, it was, it was the highlight of my career. I, I just, I wish I remembered more of it. Um, I wish just, it was so emotional that you do forget a little bit. And, you know, the fun we had after, I mean, I know there are stories and, and myths. Uh, some are true, some are not. We did have a huge party at the arena. Um, we did get in trouble for it you know, everybody was, was, you know, nobody drove cars, everybody walked, it was all on campus, it was Easter Sunday, so we couldn't go to a bar, nobody lived in a house, we felt like the safest way to do it was to do it at the arena, Um, we had us as a team, then some of our close friends, Uh, there were definitely, you know, fun, you know, things that happened, guys were you know, drinking and and enjoying themselves um, as you would imagine as they after should. winning it. As yeah. you, yeah, and and you know, there was a lot of rumors that came out of that party. People said there were there was sex in the penalty box and this and that, and right. that didn't happen. That, Not that a was, bad rumor. Yeah, I and mean, those, that, that
0: they should keep those rumors in there. The BU boys yeah, are having a time. <laughs> that
3: wasn't. It didn't happen. Um, there was no sex in the penalty box. That was somebody's imagination. Um, anything, anything like that, that would have happened, never would have happened out in the open like that. We, we did have a pretty smart group of guys uh, only the in the locker room, right? You know, <laughs> just not out in the open. We'll just keep it at that. And so, <laughs> um, a big know, there was, there was a you know, what it's funny too, is, you know, a handful of guys that, you know, most of the girls that were at that party were people's girlfriends. You know, there wasn't a lot of, like, we had a group of friends that we hung out with at BU. Um, and they were all there. Like they were our friends. And, and, and so that's what we did. And the parties were great. Um, I was totally drunk for the team photo, uh, the next day. Um, we had a parade at BU, which again, like I, I didn't go to many classes after that. Um, I kind of had a free pass based on scoring the game winning goal. I spent a lot of time at this bar called the dugout for the next four or five days. That's a good Um, spot. I've been there, and and we we had fun. We went on a bender. It was Shatty and Benino and Wilson. I mean, we we had a good time. So, uh, good memories. You know, some things are definitely true that people say about that party. Some are not. And um, you know, it 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 was a good time. That uh, it's always fun to talk about and relive.
0: Yeah, it must have been fun to be there too. I I needed a party like that.
3: Hey, you could you could have you picked your that weekend for it. your official visit.
0: <laughs> I could have had it. All right. Before our last question for you, before we let you go, is just tell us a little bit about your uh, transition from obviously playing and being a professional to now being in the sports media world with ESPN and NBC Sports. What's it like? Obviously, I'm sure you prefer playing. and kind of be a silly question. What you like doing more? But how is it being on the other side of things and uh, you know being around calling games and all the kind of stuff you do? You
3: know, I knew pretty early on, Ant, that you know by like your third year in the American League, if you don't make it you, you become a depth player and you're probably going to not going to make it. Um, you might, but I, I, I didn't, you know, I saw the writing on the wall and I started to dip my foot into the media stuff really while I was still playing because of my relationship with new England sports network at the time. And I went on, I played in Europe, you know, I signed a deal in Finland, which was a pretty lucrative deal. I think it was like a three. I, they offered me 300,000 euros tax free to go play there. Um, and I was like, holy shit. That's like making minimum. That's like making rookie, yeah, rookie, rookie minimum, minimum. Yeah. in the NHL. And, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to go take this opportunity. I'm getting qualified and I'm just going to get continually can continue to stay in the American league. Um, I'm not going to make the team. I've played my way out of favor. I've had issues with the coaches and, so I went and I did that. And, you know, I quickly realized that, um, you know, hockey was pro- as, a, as a player was probably coming to an end for me sooner than later. And and I started to get involved slowly with doing some some media stuff and doing some games. Uh, I got a little bit of a break with ESPN right when I stopped playing. They called me and they were like, do you want to work the NCAA tournament in two weeks? We, we need someone. I had never done it, really. And um, I did it. I was fucking terrible i mean terrible um i can't believe they ever even let me come back and do it again i was literally so bad uh twitter ate my lunch um i remember
1: that i remember the first oh, time you went on there cold
3: oh dude i was i mean listen i didn't dude, know. Dude, it's what hard it's no joke yeah it's it's i had oh, i gained a lot of respect for what it is to be good at that and i was terrible but the next year Um, I took everything I could get with like shitty lower end networks. I was doing games like Colgate and Clarkson. I was driving to upstate New York. It was basically like being back in the American league, paying your dues, riding the bus, driving, you know, doing it for little to no money. And I worked my way, you know, into a, into a position where I, you know, started to get more comfortable and, and get better at it. And I seek, you know, I got a lot of help and advice from, uh, a couple of different people like Billy Jaffe, um, Darren Pang was pretty good to me along the way, Starman was pretty good to me. And then a couple of years ago, I get a break and I get uh, offered the job to go to the Olympics and do radio for NBC Sports. And um, that kind of, you know, I'll be honest with you guys, I've never missed playing until I did the Olympics. You know, you ask me, if I like it more or less, um, I, I, I love calling games. Playing is obviously more fun, yeah, but it's a gr- it's a great way to still be involved, uh, and still be around the guys around the game. I mean, you and I still talk all the time about hockey and about different things. And, you know, if I was working in, you know, on wall street, we probably wouldn't have those things to talk about and those things to bond over. And, you know, whether it's coaches you have now that I played for or whatever, you know, we have these common grounds and things that we talk about. I mean, Huffy and I, um, you know, I helped coach out one of his teams one year and I was, you know, up his ass the entire season. Cause I knew, he, I knew how good he was. I just knew he needed to be pushed a little bit. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to work in the media. I've, I've now, after the Olympics, you know, started to get more and more work. I get to do NHL playoff games on the radio. I got the flyers gig now, uh, you know, I get the NCAA tournament where I get to do the Frozen Four and the national championship. They added me to the number one crew, which is obviously good. And I'm hoping the uh, ESPN will get back involved in the NHL, which nice. all signs are pointing to that. Yeah. Um, and and that would hopefully afford me the opportunity to work national TV and not just national radio. So, you know, I love it because it's, it's a great way to still be involved, and, you know, where, um, look, this game has been – really good to, to me. And, uh, I feel lucky and fortunate, you know, uh, that I did play in the NHL. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's a fluke for guys when they make the NHL, but you do need some luck. You do need bounces. Um, a lot of players who never make it, it's because they got buried or because a team never got injured or whatever the reason may be. Um, you know, you probably should have had some of the opportunities in the NHL a lot sooner than you did, but, you know, for whatever reason, they kept you where they kept you, and and you know now a little bit, you know, in later into your twenties, you're having the impact that you would have liked to have had, right? So, um, it's it's just a it's a good way. Like I, I work with a new team of people, whether it's Kenny Albert or you know Sam Rose, and I did games all playoffs with, and I get to go call a game with those guys, and then we get to talk about you or we talk about you know Shaddy or Quinny. So it's it's fun to still be involved. It's yeah. it's probably the second best job to have rather than being a player. Um, So I, I'm fortunate and I, and I appreciate it. Um, And, you know, I, I, it's always fun for me, especially when I get to do games for guys that I know. Um, And, and, you know, I enjoy talking about these, these different players. I mean, anytime we do the Rangers, the Flyers play the Rangers. I think I might've done one game. We have a segment for on ice live where you get to pick a player from both teams to talk about, and obviously they're playing the Rangers. Well, who am I going to take? I'm going to take you, obviously. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I enjoy that because I like to talk about a guy who I've known – I mean, I've known you since you were like 14 years old or something yeah. like that. So uh, that, that, that is like the fun, enjoyable part of it. Um, but it is, it is a hard job. I, I don't think people realize how, uh, how much work actually goes into it. I mean, the amount of hours that I have to put into a college hockey game – 10 times the amount of hours I got to put into a pro game because I know the players in pro. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and it's, listen, it's, it's a good gig. And um, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, I'm sure you'll, you'll take a swing at it when you're done in some form or another, we might see on Fox news, but you know, you'll take a swing at it one <laughs> thing or the other, but.
0: Uh, I might go to, I might go out of the sport world. But I'll be on something.
3: <laughs> you're going to have your own energy. Listen, I'll host the show and keep you on the rails if you if you want to do it, okay?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need primetime hours though. <laughs> well, listen, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks for the insight. I'm sure the people that listen are gonna love it. They like hearing uh, the ins and outs of different things, so it's good to have you on. And uh, that's really it. So thanks, and we'll talk to you soon, brother.
3: All right, guys, thanks for having me. Hey, All right, Colby,
2: appreciate it.
0: All right. Thanks again, Colby, for joining us. We appreciate it. A lot of uh, a lot of good insight. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, he had a lot of good stuff for us. Some stories about BU. Some stories about uh, you know broadcasting now the Stanley Cup run when he was with Boston as a as a Black Ace. So, thanks again for him joining us, fellas. Before we wrap it up here today, let's uh, let's hit on some NFL. Do you guys remember who you had last week? Do you remember who you gave out last week for the fans?
2: Yeah, I gave out uh, four different plays.
0: What plays? I gave you- out the.
2: I gave out the Rams. These are all spreads. I'm the Rams pretty sure lost. they covered.
0: No, Rams have a... one and a half. I That's think long.
2: you went 3-1, Lou. Uh, I gave out Detroit. That covered.
0: Detroit's a winner.
2: Um, I don't
1: remember who I gave. I think Detroit. I gave the Washington football team. Yeah, no, Ronnie did. did.
0: No, I thought uh, Ronnie
2: gave Washington. that. How oh, was you, Huff? Huff did.
1: I'm I'm gave you guys, lose. I,
0: I gave you guys a great winner on Thursday night for all the fans. I gave you Miami. I said Miami would win the game. And then I came back with a loser on Sunday with uh, with my boy Chucky e. Gruden and the Vegas Raiders tough loss. New England took it to him. Sloppy game, um, but across the NFL, really the big game besides the Eagles sucking again. The big game was Patrick <laughs> Mahomes against Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes last night once again against Jackson just showed how much better he is than him.
2: Yeah,
1: I think.
0: Yeah, I the, mean,
2: they're all. Go ahead, Lou. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I don't even think. They're comparable at this time. You know, Mahomes is kind of in his own level of quarterback. It's Mahomes. Then I would say Russell Wilson and Rodgers are right there with him. And then it's a little bit of a drop-off. Then you have guys like Jackson, Deshaun Watts, and Deshaun Watson, other guys that, you know, they're good quarterbacks. But when it comes to playing that top-tier quarterback, they're going to fall a little short.
1: I think Lamar has another nine to 10 weeks here to put himself back in that Russell Wilson, Rodgers, Mahomes category. Cause what Jackson did last season, I think puts him with them. I think it was incredible, but yeah, like you said, I think Mahomes is
0: number one right
1: now. It's not even a debate.
0: It was the funniest thing
1: is Andy Reed's
0: playbook is incredible too. It mean- insane.
1: It was you know- insane to watch Andy Reed call those plays. He looks like he's getting every year. They got more plays.
0: Jackson's twenty-one
2: and one against other teams other than Kansas City, so he's in Kansas City. So <laughs> That's, that's hilarious.
0: Well, you look at the he teams shits I mean, pants he plays. Everybody up. says Baltimore is this. Baltimore is really good team, but Kansas City's better. They have better weapons on offense. They have a better quarterback. The offensive lines are probably pretty similar. Baltimore might even have the the edge on offensive line defense. You know, Kansas City's defense shows up to play every week. They're not great, but they're pretty good. Like Baltimore's got a lot of good players in defense. Usually shut people down, but uh, Kansas City's D is no joke. Kansas- if you think
2: about it, their offenses really aren't close. I mean, Kansas City has number one or number two, arguably, tight end. They have a top five receiver in Hill. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, you know, he looks like he's going to be at least a top 15 running back right now, and then they got the best quarterback in the league, bar none. I mean, Jackson's weapons, I mean, Mark Andrews is pretty good. Marquise Brown is decent, but he doesn't have like a game-changer weapon like
0: Mahomes. Well, he's the game changer weapon with that run. Exactly. Back. He's their, yeah, he's their weapon. NFL's been pretty good, though. Like, I still enjoy watching the games even without the fans. I'm just a big football fan in general, so maybe that's why, but I don't think the fans, like, the fans haven't made a difference for me in the NFL. Sundays have been great. Yeah, I like, yeah. I, um, I don't mind it at all. Some COVID cases, though. So this weekend might get messed up a little bit. Titans got canceled. Now they're playing.
1: No, I know, no they haven't like, canceled the internet, You know how the internet, you get COVID, you get canceled on the internet.
0: Yeah, the game's canceled for the next year Um, Let's go into Predictions for this weekend We're going to keep doing this Obviously as the podcast goes on The season goes on You guys had Just pick one game We don't have to go through the whole slate again We're not Check the lines here Um, I was going to say Give me the Pats You got the Pats Beating the Chiefs
2: Yeah Well, my pick money line would be Pittsburgh beating Tennessee If they play
0: I'll give you a pick here, and it will be the Baltimore Ravens to destroy Washington by 25 points or more. I think after a week like this where they didn't play their best, they're going to come out, they're going to pull out all the stops and try to show that they had one bad week, probably score in the 40s. That's
2: Wait, my did you pick the pick. Patriots as your lock in a week?
0: Yeah, I think they're going to be the Chiefs.
2: Oh, my God.
0: I think the Chiefs are going to blow them up. Folks, I don't know if I would go with that bet. That's tough.
1: I'm due for, I think Belichick's due for a nice just hey, I'm still still built.
0: Tread lightly lightly for all the games. We're on the road, Tudor. No, don't. uh, This uh,
1: this is my upset. Like, this is, I'm not talking. (laughs) All right. Give us
2: a lock of the week because you just gave us a dream of the week. Don't
1: bet against the Chiefs ever. (laughs) Yeah.
2: You just gave us your dream of the week. What's your lock?
1: I'm not, I don't have
2: any locks of the week right now.
0: MLB playoff started today. Uh, Terrible games. Nobody's hitting the ball. It's a pitcher's duel all over the place. 4-1, 4-1, 3-1. And, of course, the Bronx Bombers are lighting it up. They got four runs already. Again, Shane Bieber, Garrett Cole. I think Cole's they homer twice. Garrett Cole's pitching pretty good through three, six strikeouts. That's where we're at right now. That game's still going, so can't talk about it being finished. But MLB playoffs has been boring the first three games. Especially – no fans in the MLB playoffs is brutal. Watching baseball guy, yeah, it looks – I mean, I can't even – we were watching a game earlier, the Twins. The umpire was horrible. <sighs> And it was a horrible game in general. Nobody could hit. There was sloppy plays. There was no fans. But uh, the Yankees are beating up on Shane Bieber right now pretty good. Um, Only other news we got in sports is uh, the NBA finals start tomorrow night. You got the Miami Heat against the Los Angeles Lakers. Predictions there, fellas? I'm going to say the Heat win in seven. I think they could shoot, and they got that zone defense that might give the Lakers some trouble. That's my bold I think, prediction. Again, I, I like the Heat. I Lakers think the Lakers might win, spring, win,
2: bro. Yeah, they win. Yeah, they're just winning one game. Dude, their Lakers
0: are so good. I don't think the Lakers are that good.
2: Yeah, Huff, I, I don't. I mean, besides LeBron and Davis, they really don't have anybody. Kuzma's was I think, okay. Um, I, dude, you, I think you the white don't, guy you don't
0: need that. anyone else. You got LeBron and AD. Yeah, Bam, point. Bam could give Anthony Davis all he could handle offensively and defensively. Oh. Like he's not going to get destroyed by him. He's
2: not a scrub, up, He's an all star. He's
1: good. Duncan
0: Robinson, Tyler Hero. I'm D- not D- saying D- he's
1: not good. He's not that good. We're talking Lebron and AD are arguably both in the top five of the NBA right yeah, now. Yeah, but so are Paul 100%. George and
0: so are Paul George and Kawhi Leonard almost.
1: No, it's a little bit off. Paul George ain't even in my top fifteen in the NBA. Going
0: into the year, a lot of people have Paul oh, he's George in the
1: top.
2: He's in the top fifteen.
0: He's not a top fifteen anymore. anymore.
2: Not anymore. He's not. But. Pre, pre-season he was. Dude, all
1: I'm saying, and I, I got to stop saying, dude, aunt, your dad hates that, but the Lakers in two, maybe three.
0: No, not a shot. Miami's good. Miami's good. I just think LeBron and AD, I'll I've take, never
1: seen them so good together. Miami's they're dominating. Two, all
0: over the court. They yeah, I'll two take two Lakers in six or seven, Did you see
1: LeBron in that last
2: game?
0: Against yeah, LeBron could turn over. Look at, you know, Jimmy Butler could guard LeBron. Huff,
2: think- Where's your secondary scoring from the Lakers? Because J.R. Smith's invisible.
0: Jarrett Smith doesn't play. so He, he doesn't w- play. That's what I'm play. He, he then, doesn't, op- yeah, exactly. Kuzma's well, what, invisible. Uh, dude,
1: KCP's been playing great. Rondo's been dang. back to himself. Like, Rondo's they have really bad. good players on that team. What's Dwight that? Howard. Alex Howard, Caruso. Yeah. In-
2: Caruso. Caruso, Caruso. MVP
1: status. Hold on. You're telling me hey, Bam's going to give AD a problem? How about they just take out AD, put Dwight in on Bam, and he's gas Because Dwight looks incredible.
0: Bam will, just, Bam will beat up on Dwight. Oh.
2: Well, this will be good. We'll see what happens. I guess we're going
0: to see. Listen, Bam destroyed – I wish they were playing tonight. I'm not comparing Dwight Howard to Tice. Like, I actually think Dwight Howard would be a good fit for for Boston. But Bam destroyed Daniel Tice, who's actually not a bad defending center in that series against the Celtics. It wasn't – I mean, he was destroying him, and he's a a monster. I think he's bigger than AD.
1: Bam's (laughs) average is 16, 10, and 5. He's an all-star. He's great. But he is not Anthony Davis.
0: Nobody I mean, says Anthony Davis, but he's not. It's not going to be a cakewalk for Davis. Yes, it is. Not a shot. He might get Finals MVP. Yeah, I don't think so. You I think mean, he, he Finals MVP? It's not going to be a cakewalk for him. Plus, they will it to LeBron anyway. Well, how much it. harder?
2: How much harder do you think it's going to be for Davis to go against a Bayou rather than Jokic because he couldn't even rebound against Jokic. He was getting two, three rebounds a game. Jokic. Well, Davis has never been a big rebounder.
0: He's their big though.
1: Yeah, but they, I don't, but, but Dwight comes in and he rebounds a lot. And yeah, they, uh, he does, gonna have, yeah, hold on, he,
0: hold on. So you're going to have Dwight come in now again, play against Bam. That's what you want to have. And so now, which name? Goes with a small lineup on the outside and they just shoot.
1: No, no. I'm not and saying every time. time in, I'm not saying every time Bam's in, Dwight's in. Dude, you guys think that the Heat have a chance? It's hilarious. Like maybe one. I said
2: Lakers in six, but. The Heat shoot I mean, much I think better the than Heat are going to. It's going to be closer than you
1: think. The, the Lakers shoot really fucking well. Like the, KCP, Kuzma, Rondo, all those guys have shot really well. Shooting. Caruso Rondo's shooting Rondo's, well. Rondo's really
0: not a shooter. He shot well a little bit
1: recently. He's not a shooter, though. But, but like, that's what I'm saying. If they're shooting well, then you can't guard these guys.
0: Yeah. I if mean, Rondo's shooting the well Lakers for you, are you, you're, you're at you're at win. The Lakers are favorite to the win. They're going to be favored in every game. So yeah. I'm going out on a limb and saying the Heat, but I do think the Heat are, are like real live underdogs in this series because I think they could shoot so well. I
1: love the heat Project and i happy. I wanted he them to come shoot. out of the East.
0: They could all shoot. So I um I think it should be a good series. The problem is Jimmy Butler may not shoot enough for my liking. I know it's his game and stuff, but I like to see him shoot a little bit more. Back him up a little bit. As Sixers
1: fans, this has kind of been tough to watch. We never
0: yeah, had- think. I was saying this yesterday as a Sixer. Imagine if we had Hero and Robinson. Just take, you know, not saying we have to take Horford. Nobody has come off. But those were guys you could have easily got. Duncan Robinson undrafted. I
1: know.
0: A shooter. A good shooter and a guy could can play. But it is what it is. <laughs> uh, so, you guys both have the Lakers. I have the I have the Heat and seven. Sean, you look like – I see you shaking your head up there. You look like you had the Lakers.
1: Uh, Lakers are going to win. But, I mean, the Heat do have, like, kind of a, a chip on their shoulder. The whole Jimmy Butler stuff. Pat Riley as well. They, they give, give me – was- There
0: was a great tweet Bye. yesterday on uh, – on I- But I- La- La-
1: Lakers five. Oof. That hurts. I was going to say, they they give me like 2011 Maverick vibes, the Heat, when Derek won yeah, it. Yeah, they're like the
2: team that has like everyone, no superstar, but everybody's good.
0: Yeah, you're We're right. I agree with you. What's this weekend?
2: Uh, nothing, nothing that's like overwhelming. Oh, uh, October 24th, uh, Khabib fight. so that'll be the next really big one.
0: Uh, so I he's
1: going to kill
2: that guy.
0: Huff, I don't know if you've seen this yesterday, but I retweeted this, and then I quote tweeted, I guess you should say. Tyus Jones tweeted, so Legion Hoops tweeted, after being called a locker room cancer on other teams, Jimmy Butler is heading to his first NBA Finals. You love to see it. Tyus Jones tweets, I don't really know Tyus Jones, but uh, he said, called a locker room cancer by those who weren't even in the locker room. And I tweeted, once again, I quoted a quote tweet and said, couldn't be a tweet more accurate. I probably could have worded that a little nicer. Mm-hmm. But uh, I said, couldn't be a tweet more accurate. And I think it's so true. Like there, Jimmy Butler's a locker room cancer To people outside the locker room. (laughs) And you talk to the guys in the heat and the stickers, they loved him. Yeah, maybe he he didn't get along with guys in Minnesota, but maybe because they never win. The guy wants to win.
1: I've said this forever, and and I, I don't know if we've talked about this in the gym before, but when it comes to sports writers and when they report about guys who are locker room cancers and bad teammates, and they do this and that inside the locker room, it's the Biggest clickbait in the world. No one actually knows what goes on inside a locker room besides the coaches and the players and the guys who watch the jocks every day, all right? So Nick from fucking The Athletic doesn't- A little
0: more respect to the equipment guys. Listen,
1: but Nick from The Fucking Athletic doesn't know- what Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons talk about every day at practice. Uh,
0: uh, Nick from The Athletic has sources. <laughs>
1: yeah, like, it's a joke to me. And if you think two pro athletes who have a problem with each other don't just hash it out between them when they make millions of dollars, you think they'd go and run to tell a reporter? You're just sources you're out the watch.
0: Sources say Minnesota Timberwolves best player, Jimmy Butler, frustrated with – Oh, and 18 start. Oh, I can't believe. It. <laughs> multiple <laughs> yeah, multiple sources told me this. Yeah.
1: Best player on the team challenges practice players to practice harder.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's so true, and it's a big story. Yeah, it's a joke. Um, well, listen, fellas, we got uh, we got a big event coming up here in a few minutes, so we're gonna wrap it up. Hope you guys have a good night. Enjoy some good television. We're about to watch. Big event. Uh, massive event. Hope everybody enjoys. So. Until next oh week, we thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoy the interview. Make sure you guys go follow us on Twitter, Instagram. I say this every time. I feel like I should just crop it out and then. Dude, this
1: pod week. felt like the Columbus Tampa 5 0T game. We've been here. <laughs> We've been yeah, going we before. needed a
2: seventh inning stretch.
1: Yeah, I
0: need a Gatorade you. break. We're good. It's over now. So go follow Instagram, Twitter. Send us your thoughts on this episode. Make sure we're available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, many other ones. So Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy, have a great week, and we'll see you all next week. Yo, VIP. Let's
3: kick it. Ice, ice baby. Ice ice baby. Alright, stop, collaborate and listen. I sit back with my brand new invention. In something grabs a hold of me tightly, flow like a hawk from daily. the lights
2: and i'll glow to the extreme i rock a mic like a vandal light up a stage and watch a chump like a candle dance crush the speaker that booms i'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom deadly when i play a dope melody anything less than the best is a felony love it or leave it you better gain weight you better hit bulls out the kid don't play if there was a problem